Faith is one of those things that is more easily talked about and admired than exercised. Faith means that you don't see the way out. Faith means you don't see the solution. Faith, by its definition, faith in God means that you don't see the resources for your next move. And as we continue this journey through the story, this 31-week series chronologically through the Bible, we are going to encounter an ordinary man called out of an ordinary life in his day. His name was Abram, which was a cruel name given his circumstances. His name meant exalted father. And Abram had a wife that he loved. But every day he bore a name that reminded people of an unfulfilled desire in his life. Abram had no children. He loved his wife, but his wife could give him no children, which put him in his day in a very precarious situation economically. So when God spoke to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, he gave some fairly absurd instructions. And we're going to see through the New Testament that Abraham simply believed God. And because God believed him, God credited him, moved to his account, esteemed him, made him righteous. Genesis chapter 12 begins the story. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If you've read the Bible before, this passage may be very familiar, but I don't want you to miss the magnitude of the first instructions. What did God say to Abram? Go. And do what? Garner translation, leave everything you know, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Leave everything you have and everything you know, and where are we going? I'll show you. See, the nature of faith is something like this. Go now, I'll show you later. Do you, would you like that arrangement in your everyday life? You ever taken a job full-time without knowing what it paid? You're hired. Well, what's my salary? You'll find out. You taking it? A week from, two weeks from Friday, you'll know. You taking that job? Probably not, not without a few more questions. I mean, probably the people in charge of you now are operating under some kind of deficiency, and you probably don't want to work there anyway, right? The last time we talked about the faith of Abraham, I invited you to imagine me pulling up in the car and saying, get in. What's your next question? And I say, never mind, shut up, get in. I asked in both services, how many people are taking me up on that? One guy said, I'm in. Now, he's raising six children and sleep-deprived, so there's a good chance that... There's a good chance that he wasn't thinking clearly. But we read these stories and they seem so ordinary because they're familiar and they're not. God spoke to an ordinary, weak, 
sinful man, as you'll see. And he said, leave everything you have and come with me and I'll show you where we're going as you obey me. This is the Abrahamic covenant. The bottom line of the covenant of God's promises to Abram is, I will bless you, but the bottom line is, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through you, I'm going to bless every tribe. Leave your tribe, leave your family, and as your life unfolds, at a certain point in your life, I'm going to work things out so that every family on earth is blessed through you. What does that mean? In this instance and in every other instance, what the Bible teaches us is simply this. We are blessed to be a blessing. Every blessing that God has is for you to enjoy, but it's not just for you. You are welcome, you are invited, you are called to enjoy it, but it is also, not as a competition, but as a simultaneous truth, it is for the blessing of others. The bottom line of God's promises to Abraham are the bottom line promises of every one of his children, everyone who puts their faith in God. You are blessed to be a blessing. So what do you have? And some of you will say not much, but you're wrong. You have your precious life. You have a great God in heaven. You have at least some measure of health or you couldn't be here this morning as some people who are too sick to be here. You have gifts that God chose for you. You have money. I don't know anyone in this room who has as much as they would like. Would all like a little bit more, yes? Even in contentment, it'd be nice to have just a little bit more, right? Not a lot, just a little bit more. But that money you have, it was not intended exclusively for you. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are called to be generous with everything you have, your health, your time, your life, your talents, your money, your experiences. The times where you failed to trust God and learn painfully that that was a mistake, those experiences, everything that God gives you is intended for you to be a blessing. And what we see in Genesis 12 is what we'll see through the whole Bible, the redeeming God is in pursuit of his creation. God is coming from those who sinned. We learned last week that even the best among us, Noah, needs saving. Noah entered the ark and God shut him in. Everyone needs redemption and now the Redeemer is coming for his creation and he's going to use sinful people to bless every family on earth. Someday from this lineage, from this simple tribe, from this fatherless man with the cruel name, with the ironic name, the exalted father, basically Big Daddy, that was Abram's name. Isn't that about right? Exalted father, Big Daddy. And for people who didn't like him very much, it must have been a running joke. And now God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you people. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to protect you and bless those who bless you. And I will oppose and curse those who oppose you. And here's the bottom line, Abram. You will be a blessing to every tribe, every clan, every people group on earth. And what does Abram do? He trusts God. He exercises faith. And there's more in this passage. It's one of the challenging things of this passage. It invites me to teach more Bible at one time than I should. 
okay? So pray for me and yourselves. Um, if you had blood sugar issues, you might want to pack a lunch from time to time. But Abram's story, and if you hear me calling him by two different names, it's because he has two different names. First, his name was Exalted Father or Big Daddy, and then it got worse, as I'll explain. God told him, Abram, get moving. I've chosen you with no regard to who you are, with no particular reason aside from my grace. I've chosen to bless you and to make you a blessing to others. Get moving. And Abram exercised faith. He trusted God. He believed God. And one of the beauties of this particular passage of Scripture is we read the Old Testament story, the Hebrew Scriptures of what Abram did, and many years later we have the New Testament to explain to us what was in his heart. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Wow. I don't want to drive around Orange County without knowing where I'm going. This is a herdsman with no son. No prospect for defense and help coming from his own family. It's his little family, what little he has on the move. What is going on? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. Listen, the proof the Bible tells us of faith is obedience. Make no mistake about it. It's not singing the songs. It's not knowing the scriptures. It's great to sing the songs. It's even better to know the scriptures. But the ultimate proof that you trust God is whether you obey him in what he has told you to do. Because God has given you lavish promises of himself and his provision and called you to do things that will make little sense to you. That will seem impossible, as you'll see, that will seem absolutely unreasonable, that will seem, frankly, counterproductive, and the way we know if you're trusting God or not is whether you obey him. Simple as that. That's why James says later in the New Testament that faith without works is dead. So-called faith in God that does not show up in daily obedience is no faith at all. It's fake. It's lip service. Abram knew nothing of that. He heard from God, he knew it was God, and he got started, he obeyed. And his life story in this big passage of scripture that we're encompassing this morning invites the reader to ponder faith with two big questions. The first question is this, will you believe God when his word is all that you have to go on? Don't make this about Abram. The things that were written in the Bible, the Bible itself tells us these old stories were written for our instruction so that we would find hope in God. So we're not just reflecting on his life, we're asking ourselves, will we believe God when his word is all we have to go on? Because that's all Abram had when God first spoke to him. There was no child. I was moved again emotionally to remember the timeline between the time that God spoke to Abraham about having a son and the time that Abraham had that son. Do you know how many years went by? 25. He had no reason to believe him. There was no visible reason. There was not one thing where Abraham can said, I know God will do this because of this right here in my life. 
He believed him and he obeyed. He got moving. And the question for us is, will we believe God when his word is all that we have to go on? Genesis 13 says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I will give it to you. In Genesis 15, 1, God spoke again to Abram and said, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. This is a big verse. Years have passed, not entirely sure how many, but years have passed. And God periodically speaks to Abram and says, I haven't forgotten, I am still here for you, I am going to do it, I promise you. And he tells him, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. And you know what, the question I've been wrestling with all week is this, would I rather have God or answers? That's the nature of faith. Abram, I hear you reasoning. I hear you calculating. I hear you questioning. I hear you telling me what I haven't done. Don't be afraid. I am your shield. Would you rather have God or answers? You can have God. He is your shield. And he promises to all who trust him, as you'll see, that our reward will be very great. Here is the faith of Abram. Genesis 15, verse 6. Will you read this with me? This is a summary of his faith. This is what we're told about this man. In his old age, with no reason to believe God, this is what Abram did. Read it. It says, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. One of the beauties of this particular series encompassing all that we do is my opportunity to explain this to you, which is so frequently misunderstood as people work their way through the Bible. Everyone has always been saved the same way, believing God. You won't meet one person in the entire Bible who earned God's salvation. Not Abraham, not Moses. None of the patriarchs, no one was ever good enough, righteous enough. When does, where does righteousness come from? Believing God and receiving from him righteousness as his gift. Some people have the common misconception that in the Old Testament you had to keep the law and then God made it easier by providing Jesus. Not so. No one ever kept the law. No one's ever good enough for God. No one ever meets the standard. How then can anyone be saved in this way? Believing the Lord and having God count it to you as righteousness. What you learn about Abraham is he sinned and schemed all along the way. But even in doing that, he kept believing God. What sort of scheming? Well, 10 years after God made the initial promise, Abram leaned on an ancient custom. And he said, the kid's not arriving. I know what I'll do. The customs of my time allow for provision and inheritance and protection and legacy. I'll take my wife's maid. 
I'll sleep with her, I'll have a baby with her, and it'll be counted as our child. And, God, and Abram tried to help God. You ever try to help God? <laughs> Has it ever worked? It never does. She did have a son. His name is Ishmael. There was trouble then. There is trouble now. The sons of Abraham and the sons of Ishmael have been in conflict from that day to this. It doesn't pay to help God. It pays to trust him. Now, see, this is easy on a Sunday morning because I can read these stories and say, how can they be so stupid? And I wonder sometimes if the angels look over my life and nudge themselves and say, how can he be so stupid? <laughs> how much does God have to say? How much does God have to do for Bruce to understand it? That you can trust God to do what he says. Hebrews tells us of Abram's, uh, I'm sorry, Romans tells us of Abraham's faith in Romans 4. Look, in hope he believed against hope. That's a great way of putting it. He had hope in God, so he believed against all earthly hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. That's all he had was God's word. And the question for me is, is God's word enough or do I need answers? Do I need relief? Do I need a solution right now? Will I continue to trust his word? Please understand this. Abram's faith is never perfect, but it is persistent, and that makes all the difference. What we're talking about here is discipleship. We're talking about being an apprentice of Jesus. We're talking about learning of Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And here's the point, church. There are no perfect students. They all mess up. No teacher ever expects their student to be perfect. What do teachers expect? What do teachers reward? Persistence. You fail and you stumble and you sin and you go back to God and say, I'm sorry, I tried to help. It's not any harder for you. Nothing is hard for you, but I've made a big mess of it. Can we continue where, where I left you, where I walked away from you, where I left your plan? This is what Abram is doing. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him, here we come, ready? Were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. There it is. Abram's life is an example and an invitation for you to trust God as he did. What's changed? You understand the very object of your faith. It's hard for me to conceive that Abram knew everything that we now know about Jesus, but he trusted God's gracious promise and he was saved. Now God has identified and personalized that promise. That promise is the very person of his son Jesus. When you trust him, you're saved. 
When you continue to trust him, you grow as his disciple. When you continue to focus your life on being a blessing to others, when you understand that you're blessed as he was to be a blessing to the nations and you persist in trusting God, you grow as his disciple. In other words, you exercise faith. And that would be a great time for God to end the story with Abram. 25 years later, he had his kid. Big Daddy finally had a child. And his name was, even before that child was born, his name was changed to Abraham, which means the father of many, and it's all good, right? And you keep reading and you discover one of the most troubling chapters in the whole Bible. They had a son named Isaac. Isaac means laughter. Because it was laughable that this old couple would have this kid. I mean, how old was he? 100. Yeah, imagine a 100-year-old man chasing a toddler around. Hey, it's your turn to change the baby. Well, help me get out of bed and I'll try. It's absurd. You're laughing, they're laughing. His name was Laughter. Every day they called this child. Hey, Laughter, come here, buddy. Look, we're, we're herdsmen. This cattle, they belong to us. This will all be yours someday, Laughter. God made great promises to you. I don't know how, but he intends somehow to use you, son, to bless the whole world. I believed him and then it was hard for me and I tried to help him and it didn't work out. That's why you've heard those stories of your half-brother. But he loves you, laughter. He has a plan for you. Someday God's going to do even more than he already has for our family and he's going to make you somehow a blessing to the whole world. That's what he told me. And you wouldn't be here if he couldn't keep his promise. And then comes Genesis 22. Isaac may be 15, 16 years old. We're not entirely sure. It's impossible to tell. But old enough to help. And in Genesis 22, we're told this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Take your son, your only son, laughter whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Wait, what? Human sacrifice? That's what Abram's, that's what all his neighbors did, you see. The pagan tribes that he grew up around, they offered their children to the gods. What's going on here? God is asking a very hard question. Abram, you've trusted, Abraham, you've trusted me all these years. Do you trust me now when I seem to have lost my mind and plan? Abraham, do you love me the way these pagans love their guts? Take your son laughter, the one you love, and make him a sacrifice to me. 
And the question of faith here is, will you trust God when He asks you to give Him what you love most? Let's make this really practical. I can't tell you how many people have told me that they would never allow their child to go in permanent foreign mission work. I'm praying to God he doesn't send him to Asia or Africa or Mexico or really Orange County. It's really nice here. What do you love most? Your kids? Probably. It's what most of us love the most. Almost all of us love money, at least in some level. What do you love most? Your health, your success? Your self-image of someone who's capable and getting it done and respected in the community? God seems to have lost his bearings here. He seems evil and cruel. Abraham, take the son you love and give him back to me. Will you trust God when he asks you to give him what you love the most? Here's what Hebrews reports. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Wow. When Abraham intended to offer Isaac, marvel at this, he actually intended to do it. Couldn't you have imagined a good argument with God at this point? Lord, with all due respect, truly, in the truest sense of the phrase, with all due respect, you made me wait 25 years for this kid. You didn't say there would be another. You said it's him. This is the one. And you want him back in this barbarous pagan ritual? There's not a trace of that. Genesis says, if you did the reading, he took him there. The extended story in Genesis says they traveled for three days and Abraham looked up and saw the mountain. And Isaac said, Dad, here's, the, here's everything we need. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. How? He didn't know. It was as good as done. Isaac was as good as dead. That's how much this persistent faith had grown in Abram's heart toward his God. Here's how God intervened. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this 
and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring, will you read the rest of it with me? Shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice? Did God change? No. Ten chapters later, and probably 40 years after God spoke to Abram, he said, Abram, I haven't changed a bit. It's still you. It's still a blessing for all the nations on earth. It's still me providing and protecting and blessing. What am I telling you? That God's purpose does not change, that God's promises do not fail. What does God intend to do? When we trust him, he provides for us. Mount Moriah, many, many, many years later, would be the site where David and Solomon would build the temple. I believe personally within eyesight of that location where Abraham offered Isaac, many, many years later, you could have stood and seen the cross of Jesus. See, here's the goodness of the gospel. God doesn't offer you, doesn't tell you to sacrifice his son for him. He sacrificed his son for you. In the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What will be provided? The best. A ram one day, the son of God, many days later. You can trust him. When you trust him, he provides, and when you trust him, he blesses others through us. Listen, this is what our church is about. It's not only about enjoying the blessing of Jesus. It's about loving and trusting him so much that we move forward in obedience to him and we give him anything he asks so that the nations will be blessed. There is no other hope for the world. There is no other son born of a woman who can save the world, who can provide the righteousness that God requires to accept sinners and make them into saints take people who have behaved like his enemies and welcome them as his friends and his own family. That's why we're here. That's why we invite you to worship. That's why we invite you to serve. That's why we invite you to give and to witness and to pray so that the nations will be blessed. But it won't happen without faith. If you keep waiting for God to show you everything in advance, you will never See his blessings, his purpose fulfilled in your individual life because it takes faith. You have to trust him. If you wait to see it, you'll never live it. Your faith doesn't have to be perfect, but it does have to be persistent. So let me invite you to take your next step with this wonderful God who blesses and provides and uses us to bless the nations. Would you pray with me, please? Can I make it really personal for you, for myself? What is it that God has told you to do in his word that you're hesitating on? What are you waiting to have more of before you obey him? Might be time. Might be money. You might be waiting for an answer of some kind before you obey him. Remember, it's not having the answer, it's having God. It's believing him, it's trusting him and moving out in obedience with what he told you.
his word enough and your faith strong enough, even with trembling, to give him what you love most. That's his invitation. That's his instruction to all of his disciples in all of time. So just take a minute and ask yourself, what is it that I'm holding back? What is it that I cling to so tightly that I don't think I can trust him with? And as best you can, say, Lord, I want to believe. I want to have the faith of Abram. I want to believe you, and I want that to be seen by my obedience. And listen, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, there is no other Savior coming. There is no other Savior given. He's the one. If you haven't trusted him, if you haven't made that personal, explicit declaration of trust in him, you say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive and save me. Do it now. This story was told to give you the encouragement to trust Jesus. Let us know that you have today on the card. We want to celebrate with you. We want to walk along with you as we try to learn from Abraham and his faith. Father, there are all kinds of needs. Some people just barely hanging on to hope. Help them, as the scripture says, to hope against hope, believing that you were able to do everything that you promised. If your today is not the day for us to have an answer, may you be enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us on this edition of Cross Points. If you have any questions about what you just heard, please call our church office at 714-848-5511. If you are nearby next Sunday, we have services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Visitors are always welcome at Crosspoint, and we hope you'll choose to worship with us when you're near the Huntington Beach community.